it's always a perspective thing in my mind. How well do you, how much do you put in is how much you get out. So CSI, yes, is a good thing for others. They have their own mental health professionals. And some, you have some that just don't want it. Yeah. They have their own thing and they don't want to deal with it. So, but I mean, it's, it's a great thing. Um, it's still new and evolving, just like EMS. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you reserted or taken CPR and they're like, don't bag them, just do compressions or, oh no, you've got to bag them every, you know, two to four seconds. Or, you know, oh, no, you need a bag once every 30 seconds. Or, no, you're two rescuers, so it's, you know, two breaths every 15 <laughs> seconds. It changes. Yeah. Because we change. Yeah. We're an evolving, adapting field. And everything just has to evolve and adapt with it. So. Um, it's funny you say that. There's, at one of the hospitals, we drop off at frequently there's a nurse there who has this paramedic and stuff like that so I brought in um this guy who coded at a gym and bystanders did cpr shocked him with the aed and he came back and we get there and he's just complaining of back pain from lying on the gym floor did the trouble and all that stuff it's a scary rhythm so tried the adenosin mm-hmm. didn't work so i was like hey my guy uh not much time to explain because he was fine. That's why I did the adenosin. And then it didn't work. And he's like, oh, my chest. Oh. And then I watched the rhythm. I'm like, oh, God. I was like, no time to explain. This is going to hurt. One, two, three. I had a <laughs> partner when they would do that. They'd be like, hey, did it hurt? And I'd be like, did what hurt? Claire? <laughs> and they're standing there, standing at the monitor. And they're like, ooh, much better. So about that pain, how much do you weigh? <laughs> you know, and they give the the, the analgesic afterward <sighs> because in the moment, yeah, there's no time. There's no time. Yeah, there's no time. So, uh, yeah. So we did that. Um, he was stable. Whatever. Dropping off the ER, and I'm giving the report, and the nurse slash paramedic was like, "Hey, uh, you you cardioverted because of chest pain?" I was like, "No, my guy, I cardioverted because." he was becoming symptomatic and low key, a little unstable. So like, you know, keeping him around versus just waiting and finding out whatever. And he was like, well, that's new. And there was a medic from another agency. Cause I was like, sir. And the, the medic from the, the other agency was like, no, that's what we do. Yeah. That's, that's part of, and he was like, really? So I was like, my guy, no offense. Um, uh, when was the last time you were on the street or reserted? He's like, oh, well, it's been a second. I'm like, is this not? Right. So I get what you're talking about. Um, no, it's definitely, like you said, this this field is ever evolving. It is new. I would even say compared to like healthcare in general or nursing or doctors and blah, 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 coroners, whatever you want to call it, like mm-hmm. any field in the healthcare profession. Um, we're is a baby field and that's i think also that's why it's changing and evolving because we have new data all the time there are new studies and etc etc but 
I 100% believe that it was from the rise of this field was also the um, suck it up buttercup mentality. And then you have these medics who now they're a little bit older, um, more seasoned, we'll call it salty. (laughs) So we're in Louisiana. It's black and (laughs) charred. But um, like they'll, I don't want to say trauma compare, but I I had it firsthand when I was at the station finishing reports, tough call, whatever. And the medic that was there, he's very seasoned. Um, Good guy, though. Good guy. I do have a video of him snoring on the couch, but that's neither here nor there. Um, He was like, so what'd you have? And I briefly explained it. And I was like, I don't know, man. It was just, it was rough. And he was like, oh, that's nothing. One Christmas, I had five cardiac arrests. And I was like, yeah. thank you for trying to one-up my trauma. Uh, okay, cool. Thanks. I'll just come back and, you know, yeah, make my own problem minuscule compared to that. And I'm not saying everybody does that with experience, whatever, but it just falls into that suck it up buttercup mentality of like oh well this is what we do and we get through it and look at me now i'm a raging alcoholic <laughs> yeah you know it's like it's, rub some dirt on it we have calls holding <laughs> you know and the culture changes there they're getting old they're retiring i can't i think i know who you're talking about probably and Let me choose my words correctly. Um, they have their own demons. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own demons. Right. How you choose to fight them is the difference between someone willing to help and someone who's going to sit there and go, well, will I? Will I? Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. Let me tell you. And in a way, that's kind of cathartic for them if you think about it. They've compartmentalized so much over the years that when somebody even has something remotely similar, they let me tell you how bad mine was. Because maybe they never got the opportunity to decompress way back in the day. Fair. Yeah. Because they are the rub some dirt on it we've got calls holding era because ems was so new there was no hey are you okay do you need a minute it was we're short-staffed get back out there i promise i'll fire you tomorrow (laughs) you know the whole bringing out the dead scenario where he's like i'm not good and they're like we don't care johnson called out i need you to work tonight right um there's always a better way to go about things yeah do i blame them oh 100 because they're also mature and should know that the younger generation who's coming in to fill the shoes is a different generation with different technically more training fair they didn't have 
four leads. They had three leads or were putting paddles on people and getting quick looks. Whoa. Scary, right? Yeah. You know, they had five drugs total, three of which were painkillers. Well, two and then, a you know, benzo. <laughs> you know, they... They didn't have 12 lead. They didn't have the studies that we know now. What we went through for paramedic school is way more. I've had partners over the years that were like, when I got on the ambulance, we didn't even have 12 leads. We just had the four lead. One, two, three, ABL, ABR, ABF. That's all we had. I was like, you even had those because I thought you need V1 through V6 to get that. They're like, no, the way the monitor and they would explain, you know, electronic BP cuffs. What are those? Hmm. You know, and that's where it gets real scary because it's like, we know those have been around a while. We've had double A batteries for a while, <laughs> but pulse oxes, that's even relatively new. Um, what are the the demand oxygen valves where you know you could inflate people like a balloon you know and end up causing barrow trauma right you know or everybody's favorite mass trousers oof mm-hmm. not ooh. they served well, a purpose we they yeah crushing they out of per- they went out of style because they were very expensive to replace and the hospital staff kept cutting them point being things change The older generation is retiring. Thank God. Um, But clinically, we have more training than what they received. Most of what they received is on the job training or update training or protocol training. Hey, look, we know you don't understand it. But if you see this, this is what you're supposed to do now. Um, We have the benefit of the internet we have tv youtube libraries you know not saying that they didn't exist for them but like we have better resources now like i said do i still blame them oh 100 because maturity yeah. they, they should they should know better well uh, what was it if you can't say something nice don't say anything at all mm-hmm but it's also part of that EMS culture of, oh, that's not bad. Let me tell you about mine. It's not that we're downplaying. It's the emotional trauma bonding. Trauma bonding is 100% of EMS. Partners become family. Yeah. Partners become lovers. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <Ew. laughs> to each their own, but. But the point being is. A lot of what EMS is, is a result of that trauma bonding. We can't discuss work in public at restaurants or you yeah. know, public places because of what we do and what we see. That's why we always sit on the patio away from everybody else or, <laughs> you know, when we do go out. Um, but you got to have that support structure. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a group of friends. We do at least once a month go out for dinner and drinks. We call it family dinner. And 
there's like 12 to 15 of us that go out and we'll sit there and we'll work around how bad the last three day weekend was or the last two weeks or, you know, when it's especially bad, like we'll go out Taco Tuesday, you know, following that three day event or, you know, but we have made it a goal that at least once a month we get together and we decompress and we do a debriefing uh, in a way of everybody gets their minute to talk of how shitty their whatever time period it's been has been and that includes our dispatcher who's the unseen face yeah um yeah they're in it just as much if not more because there's been times where I've run calls where my local dispatcher is on the phone, on speaker, on the bed, and they're listening to everything and have been listening to everything for the last 10, 15 minutes. And we talk about us not getting closure on calls. For them, they get the initial panic, that first 5, 10, 15 minutes of listening to the yelling, the screaming, the crying. And then we get there and it ends for them and they answer the phone again. So then I have them for the next 30 to 45 minutes. And then I don't get that closure. And the hospital has the closure. So that's another thing we're incorporating is getting the dispatcher involvement. Hey, that call. When the medic showed up, this is what happened. This is what happened from when they got to the hospital. Here's the outcome. So that dispatch, who was just as much a part of this team as anybody, as the EMT, the EMR, the blue bag, it's all related. It's all key pieces. No one person can do this. It is a team effort. So having them involved and listening to what they have to endure it's kind of eye-opening because you really do think you know thank you for calling 911 what's your emergency where's it at okay somebody will be there shortly click that's not how it goes mm-hmm. um if anything movies and television have ruined um perception and perspective of what ems is and it is they are so way off in left field. They have no idea. I mean, literally the closest thing to EMS that I've seen in or on TV between Scrubs, um, TV show Sirens, um, the fireman show with Dennis Leary. I can't think of the name of it, but we all know which one. Um, those are pretty much the three big ones that have hit the nail on while well, bringing out the dead too. Yeah. I was going to bring that one up. I was like, that um, one's way too. Relatable. Mother jokes and speed. A lot of people are like, Oh, you know, maybe in the seventies. Yes. Right. Maybe when those salty people weren't so salty, that's how it was, mm-hmm. but not today not how it is as far as the mental health capacity of ems professionals nowadays oh 100 bringing out the dead i mm-hmm. mean that is textbook how things are right now 
burnout, especially after COVID. Yeah. COVID, once again, EMS is very reactive. We can't change in anticipation. We can only change after the fact. Mm -hmm. Look how many protocols changed after COVID. Look how many response scenarios changed. Staffing. If you'd have told me 10 years ago we'd have EMRs on the ambulance, I'd have laughed at you. <laughs> right. Ooh. Mm. I'd have told you you're you're crazy. Yeah. Why? Why would we ever decide that I'm not dissing our EMRs, but but we didn't know. Yeah. EMRs back then, all they were were personal Lucas devices. Yeah. That's all they could do. They couldn't even administer oxygen. EMRs, their scope has expanded now. Call them first aid clinicians. Now they're so much more the the trauma specialist that the EMT was. Mm -hmm. That the EMT is now the stabilization specialist. And the paramedic is still the paramedic. The IV, the intubation, the drugs. That's still the paramedic. But. The EMR is now the trauma specialist. The EMT is the stabilization specialist. And the paramedic is the, the paramedic. I mean, it's kind of hard to apply a title to what we do, given the hats we wear. Um, change is always good. This change is definitely one that took the newer people less time to adapt to and definitely the older salty seasoned ones more time to adapt to but once again you only get what you make out of it you know what you put into it um that was terrible you get what you put you make you get into what is it you only make what you put into it you put in what you make of it Whatever. Point point being. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm butchering it. Um, you make the best of the situation. Um, I will. No one person can do this job. Once again, everybody has a role. Everybody has a place. Even the EMR. So. Would you rather the uber driver that just sits up front and doesn't move and you run the whole call by yourself or would you rather the trauma specialist which is what i tell them hey your job is this and they're like oh they don't uh what uh, no you took a 40-hour class or 80-hour however what it is now you know how to do these things if it's bleeding put a band-aid on it or four by four. If it's bleeding a lot, let me know. Um, you know, tell me which direction the leg's pointing. You know, get a blood pressure, get a pulse ox. Um, they can do pretty much what an EMT scope is, I think, up to, but not including um, advanced, I don't want to say advanced airway. Um, An SGA. Yeah. Yeah. SGA, King Tube, Combi Tube, LMA, SGA, all those fancy things, you know, but 
they can do all of it up to that mm-hmm. and medications the only one i think they're allowed to administer is oxygen which once again why is oxygen a medication <laughs> we breathe it all the time but it's the whole concentration um but everybody is a puzzle piece everybody has a piece their gear in the cog of time whatever analogy makes you feel the special at night but you have that and you got to use it just like csi i am the tiniest little cog in the uh, gear of the watch that you know just keeps on ticking but i'm just as important as the big one that makes the second hand move. But I'm there just to make sure everybody else is okay at doing their job. Um, Checking in time to time. A lot of people don't want to hear from me because they think they're in trouble or, you know, something bad's going to happen or I'm going to pull them off the truck if they're not okay. You know, I get it. People have bills to pay. People have things they want to buy, places they want to go, and it all costs the magic dollar. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to be okay. And that's all I want to know. Are you okay? Yeah. And that's, it's not like CISM is this specific, like, pour everything out. I mean, if you need to, like, that's absolutely, that's absolutely not fun. But it's more of just like a, uh, I don't want to say thermostat. Um, what's the word for like a temperature checker? A uh, thermometer. <laughs> but CISM is more of like a thermometer of let's gauge where you're at. Let's kind of, for me, it's always like, let's do an, an actual inward reflection versus mm-hmm. my deflection mm, coping skills after stated calls. Like, let's actually do an assessment. Where are we at? What could go better? And I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of people try to deflect. But it's tennis. You deflect. I'm going to hit it right back to you. I'm going to just, but I'm going to come at a different angle. Okay. You don't want to talk about that, but I know you're not okay. So... Hmm. Let's talk about this. You know, I know I noticed this, or I noticed that. Like, tell me about that. Or you know, you you pick a current event and you you find a way to kind of like weasel your way in. It's all about the comfort level, though. So I want all I want to know is that you're okay and you have that support system. I don't have to be a part of the support system. Remember, I'm just the guy with the flag that's going. We need help over here. <laughs> but at the same time, I can only lead you to water. Yeah. So I'm here to provide the resources. You want to talk to the EAP? Here's the phone number. You want to talk to a different CISM? That's fine. Here's their phone number. Oh, you don't want to talk to anybody local. You know, you want that anonymity? That's fine. Here's the Code Green Project. Here's their phone numbers. Um, hey, you said something really dark that makes my gut go, hmm, I always trust my gut. I make that phone call. Hey, my gut says this person's in danger. We need to do something. I make that phone call. 
it's all relative. Just figuring out, are you okay? And I keep saying, are you okay? We're not okay. We're never okay. No. But that's the, what's been pounded into our heads for years. Somebody coming up at the ER ramp while you're spraying down the back, cleaning up, whatever. You know, no reason to go into details, but like you're wiping things down. You're getting ready for the next one. You're finishing a ticket. You're mentally preparing to lose your shit because you you really want to hit your vape, but you got to get this all done. <laughs> or you want to go smoke that cigarette or go get that a cup of coffee or go use the bathroom because it's been six hours. And that guy walks up and goes, hey, I look like shit. Are you okay? And it's either a make it or break it moment. You either take that opportunity to de-stress or it's just the, you know, the needle to the balloon and it's the straw that breaks the back and you lose your shit. Either one's fine. Hopefully the person who's asking if you're okay is the type of person that can handle both, mm -hmm. that can handle either. And they should be. But once again, you want to go yell and scream? Come see me. I'll be around the corner. <laughs> You know, look for the cloud of vape smoke going in the distance. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything else. Adam, do you have anything else? Um, I guess I can shamelessly plug the phone numbers for the, uh, the Code Green campaign. You know, I'm sure they'll be placed down in the comments section. But, you know, the Fire EMS Helpline. Uh, 1-888-731-3473. You know, there's also safe call now, uh, 206-459-3020. Frontline helpline. Uh, once again, all these are first responder support networks. Um, 866-676-7500. And of course, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. You're never alone. You're not. Um, I'm not going to go so far as to put my my phone number out there. No. But those of us uh, that work at our company know my phone is always on. Um, we have our 24-hour helpline. Um, contact your dispatcher. Contact your HR rep, contact your supervisor, see what resources you have at your company. If you don't have it, maybe it's something that y'all should establish. So. Yeah. So Adam, if that's all you got, that's all I got. We'll close out every, we'll close out this episode. Like I close out every single episode. So with that. The 22 at the Lips podcast is designed to support, not replace the relationship that exists between a practitioner and his or her medical director. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host, guest, and not necessarily of Master Medics. The information provided during this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for your approved protocols.